Yep, that's all so far. Yeah. Okay, we are we are on live. Welcome. Hey, Justin. What's up, Texan? It's been a while, man. It has. It has. How can we be locked in our houses but yet be so busy? I don't get I it. I know. I know. Uh, well, I mean, been a lot of stressful things going on in a lot of people's minds over the last couple months. So, I think, sure. I think our minds have been busy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, before we get too far into this, do you want to uh, say thank you to our sponsors? Absolutely. I want to thank Normal Gadgets, uh, located at 802 South Eldorado Road. Um, if you have anything that breaks, like I did my cell phone the other day, you can take it into Normal Gadgets. They will get it fixed for you. Um, they can also, which is, I am going to take my old phone in there and have them pull the information off my old phone uh, since the screen is so bad that I can't view it. Um, so I plan on doing that on Monday. So Normal Gadgets, check them out. Also, Play Normal Esports. Um, they are open. They are practicing social distancing. So give them a call. Uh, you can go in. Your kids can go in. Um, have a good time and uh, play normal esports located in the same facility at 802 South Elora Road. All right. With that out of the way, other yeah. than fixing broken cell phones, what have uh, what have you been up to lately? What have you been? You've been you always read interesting books. You got anything good on the bookshelf right now? I'm currently reading. Um, so I'm always bad about. Like someone's like, what are you reading? And I can never remember the title or the author. I can tell you all about the books, but I can just can never remember. Uh, So I just started a book on Harry Truman's first 120 days. Um, That's all. So I I like that it's very specific. It's just narrowed down to that that 120 days of him in office. Um, But it's so far, I'm I'm just starting. I'm like chapter five or six, probably 70 pages, 80 pages in. Uh, But it's very good so far. I really enjoyed that. did he drop the bomb in the first 120 days? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. The, the guy had the, a jam-packed 120 days, um, and that's what makes it so exciting. Um, so, yeah, I'm, it, you know, I just I mix around my reading quite a bit. Uh, jump around from business books to personal development to history to politics um, to local city stuff, and mm-hmm. I, don't know, I, I try to mix it up. But I did just read one, and actually, I am going to give you the title of it. Hold tight, it's on this bookshelf. Um, sure thing. It is, it's a movie too, um, but it's just mercy. Um, okay. It's a, I'll just read this, a story of justice and redemption by Brian Stevenson. Uh, he is an attorney um, that started a nonprofit down in Alabama to fight people uh, that are, or fight for people that are on death row, uh, often wrongly accused. Um, and he just goes through and tells a lot of different stories, some more in depth than others, but uh, given given our time of, of social justice being in the news all the time, this was definitely a relevant read, um, and it was really good. It was better than I thought it would be. I'm not a huge like storytelling reader. Like I don't read fiction hardly at all. Um, mm-hmm. This is nonfiction, but it's still in that storytelling mode, and I really enjoyed it. So that was a good one. But yeah, cool. Yeah. What about you? You reading anything? Yeah, I tried to. Um, so I did the Bloomington Summer Reading Program, mm. and um, did you check that out this year? I, no, I didn't. Yeah, it was kind of neat. They had it as a clue theme, and so um, it was like you were investigating different clues, and you had to read certain type of books to give you certain types of clues. And so, um, if you had like, uh, it's kind of hard to explain without the visual, but basically, if you 
if you read books that checked certain criteria, then the more of those you checked, the more entries you got to put into their raffle. And, um, and so it kind of challenged you. It would be things like read a book with your birth month in the title, read a book written by a world leader, uh, classic more than hundred pages, kids book. Um, you know, and then also just some of the library resources like consumer reports or some of the video um, services they have. So I like a good scavenger hunt. So I was kind of gamified the reading a little bit. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. And I've, I fall out of reading for pleasure, uh, pretty regularly. I, when I'm doing stuff for pleasure, I much prefer video games or, um, or movies, but it is a good discipline to have. So I was kind of stretching out and doing some different kinds of works. That's exactly how I feel about fiction books. Like, um, I mean, my wife's a huge fiction reader and, and, you know, she reads much faster than I do also, but I just, I can't, I just keep thinking like this would be better on a screen <laughs> when I'm reading yeah. a fiction book, uh, <laughs> where, where like, I very much enjoy reading about history and politics and, um, things of that nature more than I do like watching a show about it, honestly. Like, um, it just, it gives me a chance to like stop, pause and reflect and think more than a movie would or a show would, um, while I'm reading it. So that, that's what I enjoy about that. Um, but yeah, I, I the same way though. Like there's, there's, it's actually funny. I used to keep track. Um, I used to have a blog years ago, like 10 years ago, and I used to always keep like a running book list on it. And there would be years that I would read, you know, 30, 35 books a year. And then like the following year I would read like, you know, eight. <laughs> um, it just, it just depends on, you know, the busyness and the year. And like you said, it's very easy to fall out of. And yeah, um, though with quarantine, when quarantine happened, like I did the whole, let's go buy a bunch of books and I had a good stack going and I'm still working through that stack now. So that's been kind of beneficial to get me back on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I mean, podcasts are another one too, where I'm kind of, I'm kind of a guy who's trouble sitting still. So I like to listen to a podcast while I'm like doing the dishes or yard work or something where if you're reading a book, you pretty much got to just sit and just read the book. And so that, that's a little harder for me with my energy level. But, um, so what about podcasts? Have you, have you explored any new podcasts? Um, let's see. I, um, hmm. I don't know if I had any new ones, but man, Joe Rogan has just been putting out like massive quantities. It's like, he's putting out one a day. And so, and they're all three hours long. So (laughs) I, (laughs) I've been, um, I've been kind of digging through those. And then there's another one called the short game, which Mm -hmm. is about, it's about video games that you can complete in under 10 hours. And, and so, I enjoy that a lot because I I like a good game, but I'm not gonna. I don't have time in my life where I'm gonna spend 150 hours playing a video game to get through a story, you know. So I uh, I like them a lot, and I just listened to an episode today where they were talking about Super Metroid, which is one of my favorite games. So they were kind of digging that apart, analyzing it for its historical impact and stuff. Right. Um. Yeah. But. No, I can't think of any anything new I've come across there. Just kind I'm of not, favorites. How about you? I'm not a huge podcast guy. Like it's funny that we're on this, and I've said this before. Like I don't listen to a whole lot. Again, my wife does. My wife's, uh, you know, got a job where she could do her work and kind of sit at a desk and listen to it. Where I, I have to kind of what you're talking about with reading. I have to get up and do stuff a lot, so I just don't have the, um, you know, I can't just sit down and listen, and I and I have a hard time focusing on stuff when I'm listening to a podcast, but. Uh, Michelle Obama did start her own podcast on Spotify. Oh, she did? Okay. Yeah. And so I had a couple um, trips that I had to drive for for work. And um, 
So I, I gave the I gave the first two of those a listen. Uh, the first one was President Obama was on there, and that's always fun just hearing them banter back and forth. But um, the second one, she had Michelle Norris on there, who uh, longtime NPR uh, person, um, and that was a good one too. It's just fun to hear. You know, every now and then, like Michelle will sneak in stories about the White House. It's kind of fun, but that's not what the podcast is about. So <laughs> it's just kind of funny hearing different perspectives and that perspective, uh, particularly of someone that yeah. recently went through that life. So speaking of the Obamas, actually, the my favorite book that I came across as part of the reading program was um, I didn't know Barack Obama wrote a children's book. Yeah, it's called it's called Of the I Sing. Um yeah. So that was my book by a world leader. Um, That's awesome. And, and I, it probably you check two boxes. Did you say a kids book yeah. too? Yeah. Kids book too. Yeah. So um, yeah, I read that too. It's very affirming and um, you know kind of patriotic at the same time. It helps people connect their talents to great figures in American history, and I really yeah. appreciate that too. My uh, my uh, daughter and I didn't read it, so I can't even tell you what it's about. But Hillary Clinton wrote a child, children's book, um, or maybe it was Chelsea Clinton. Now that I'm thinking of it. I don't know, but my daughter really liked it. Uh, I mean, it was, it's been like four years ago that she read it now, but I remember she really liking that one. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, like, I got to, uh, you know, keep, I, I probably got, I don't know, six, seven, eight books on my bookshelf that I still have to read that I bought during the beginning of quarantine. So I got to keep trucking away. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, um, my next one is going to be Hillbilly Elegy. Have you read that one yet? No. Do you know about that book? No. Okay. Um, yeah, it's about a guy who grew up in, I think it's Ohio. I just read like the the first few pages last night, but he grew up in a really poor community. Um, but like a poor white community, like Appalachia type thing. And, um, kind of talking about his experiences with that. And especially in, uh, you know, some of the, some of the, um, some of the things that Trump's election brought to light about how segments of the society feel that are, have been neglected in certain areas. Um, it's, it, it helps you understand kind of the cycle that, that people are in trying to break out of it. So yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing things through eyes of, um, I'm all about just understanding other people's perspectives. Right. So that's, I'm that's what I that. appreciate. Yeah. That's what, that's what I like to do too. That's why I like reading. Like I said, that just mercy book was, was great for that. Um, and those types of books just I like I like to be challenged on what I've always believed um, in a way that's not someone putting a meme on Facebook. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I I do like a good meme. Oh, I, of course. Uh, <laughs> there've been so many good COVID memes. I I uh, yeah. Too like, bad this when, isn't a visual medium. We could put some of those up. In like a, <laughs> like a hundred years from now, um, you know they're gonna look back on history and it's all gonna be written in the form of memes. So. It's, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I've been downtown a little while. Um, have you been down to the office? Is yeah, things yeah. I'm still going in every day. Um, How things good. looking down there? Things are good. I mean, you know, there's people out. Um, unfortunately, we just got word that uh, Scouts Downtown Cafe is closing. Um, actually, they I think today was their last day. I think they closed after lunch today, uh, which we're recording this on Saturday. Um, so that's a bummer um, to see a business, a small business like that close. Um, but COVID obviously has been a, a difficult thing for a lot of businesses to tackle. But for the most part, I would say, you know, things are pretty looking pretty good. People are outside. People are enjoying downtown. Um, sidewalks are busy like, like like they always have been in the summertime. So that's good. Um, I was talking to someone the other day, like 
the outside seating thing for restaurants is just awesome. Like people enjoy it so much and look how, I don't want to say little effort cause that's not fair at all. Um, but like it, what it's not some extravagant thing they put together, right? It, it's yeah. just some barricades and think of what we could do, <laughs> um, to make that even better. And, and I hope we can able, we're able to do that. Um, so many of these, um, not to like bring up, you know, anything controversial with some of these downtown task force things that were brought up in that report in 2017 are getting done. <laughs> um, and you know, outside dining was one of them. Um, transfer center, obviously track transit just announced an $8 million federal grant coming to town. Um, you know, it, just think of uh, this, this was a conversation between me and somebody the other day. One of the ideas of the task force was that 100 block of Jefferson Street to kind of close that down and make it more shared and more public space. Um, think if that was in place when COVID were to hit and, and mm-hmm. how popular that would have been. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I Maybe we were just a little ahead of people's thinking and maybe it took something like COVID to get some people to visualize it a little better. But I'm glad to see it's happening either way. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a silver lining of this to, um, to just give it a try and um, – and, you know, it, it could have not worked out at all either. There could have been some really big unforeseen things that that people with, you know, I share your view that that's a good thing. But there yeah. could have been something we weren't noticing or we were ignoring, you know. Parking could have been just an absolute catastrophe or it could have been really dangerous or something. And so, uh, you know, you try it, you see, and there wasn't a huge financial or time commitment put into it. It's just put some barricades up, put some things outside, see what happens. And I, so I enjoy that. Parking, I, I'd be interested in your uh, thoughts on this because I was, I was thinking about this just as I was walking the other day. Um, so since COVID happened, there hasn't been downtown parking enforcement um, enforcing 90-minute parking spaces. So they're still enforcing 10-minute, and there's they've put up all those 10-minute spots in front of these stores so that for pickups and things like that, which is good. Um, but parking enforcement, that's all they're enforcing. And from my experience, uh, having an office down there and visiting downtown almost on a daily basis is – it's working. Um, so, so is that a long-term solution where we have more, maybe 10, 15, whatever that time limit is parking. Um, and then the rest of them, you know, I don't know, like you don't want a car there 48 hours and not moving, but, um, also like, you know, if a car pulls up there and is shopping and walking around downtown for an hour and a half, I don't want them to get a ticket either. Um, I don't know. I just, I was thinking about it the other day of how, wow, this parking isn't really a big deal for anybody. And there's a lot of 10-minute spaces and there's no enforcement on anything beyond that. And um, It's been going okay. So, uh, yeah. my My internet's dragging. I just switched to a different one. Um, okay. So if I was making weird noises while you were talking or something, that's what was going on there. But <laughs> I think I'm back. Uh, I caught most of what you're saying, though. And, yeah, I mean, the idea of having the 10-minute parking right in front of the businesses, that's kind of churning around. But then having um a few spots for people who have mobility issues or you know young children or something like that that makes sense but mostly encouraging um people to park making it easy for them to park away from the center and walk in and i i think um if there's something that's drawing people in to do it they'll make that little bit of a walk and that's That's always been my argument yeah yeah it's a chicken and egg thing a little bit um you know if you create a space that's worth walking to it makes it a little easier yeah yeah. Yep. And I think that this outside dining is probably the little bit of catalyst that downtown needed during these times to get some people down there to see, oh, what's this even, what's this look like? And um, Yeah, I mean, I, 
I wonder, I'd be interested to bring back like Carmen Champion um, or, or a retail, Jamie Matthew would be a good one, like a retail downtown business owner and have a conversation with them about before and after COVID. Um, I mean, we've heard about restaurants quite a bit and they, they get well publicized, but I wonder like how many people discovered a uh, Red Raccoon or Von Chomps for the first time um, because they wanted to go to Reality Bites and eat outside. And yeah. Wandered a little bit, you know. Around, like yeah. Or just while you're sitting out there, you're looking around, you're like, maybe I yeah. should go. Go in that shop. Yeah. yeah. I was asking um, Jamie if there was, for Red Raccoon, if he was going to be doing any outside games. And theoretically, that would work. But the fact that it's so windy, there's just really not anything he could set up that wouldn't blow away. So Dude, he. <laughs> I think I think we need to do that across downtown. Like uh, when they first start, I mean, this was brought up on the task force too. But when they first started outdoors dining, I said we need to make sure retail has a spot outside too, and bring all these businesses out on the, on on, the, on Main Street. Um, like Jamie's store, uh, I, I don't know, this is not my idea, but like if he could have an outdoor space all the time without having to pay extra permits or anything like that, like think of it like a giant chess set, like mm-hmm. off the sidewalk, painting the squares on there or something similar, um, you know. And again you're eating somewhere and you see a giant chess set sitting outside that you could play. People are just going to go do that. Um, yeah. I think about that a lot with the art studios too. One of the first yeah. Fridays had us touring the art studios and I was just blown away about how many, how many of them there are. I and had no idea. Really good ones. Really. Yes. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. And like trying to find ways to bring out that more into the public space, whether that's murals, whether that's public art, but the, you know, the seed of it is already downtown and finding ways to make that more visible uh, just creates a really good energy there. Yeah, so. I mean, I think there's still one um, downtown. I don't know if in the Herb Eaton Gallery. But remember, they had all those corn stalks that they were painted. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, just something unique like that. Or, like, we have the electrical boxes that got painted, and that's cool, and I like that. Um, and I hear they're, they're actually working on one of the other task force recommendations, which was painted crosswalks. Mm-hmm. Um, that is somewhere in the early stages of planning. Um, so just things like that to bring life, um, to outside. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping, of course we're getting towards fall and there's only, you know, a short time window we could do, but we take what we've learned over this spring and summer and fall we, to start, keep developing these types of ideas. And that way, when the winter breaks next spring, we can really just hit the ground running and say, downtown is open for business. You know, this is everyone's downtown. Let's, let's bring more people in there and have a really good solid plan in place. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's exciting. Um, it's good stuff. Um, anything else you've noticed around town that, Oh, sorry. I was going to say, just staying on downtown real quick. Cause it was just recently in the news is that $8 million federal grant coming for connect transit. Um, I mean, that's gonna, I, I'm going off memory here, but I think with the state grants, that's, you know, over 10 million, um, of money they have, which depending on the site that's chosen with that site analysis that Farnsworth is doing could pay for a transfer center, um, in full. Is that the, so is that the status of that now they're, they're, um, looking at different sites. There hasn't yeah, been so a, it's, it's been a while, actually it's, it's taken a longer than I wish it would and longer than I thought it would. Uh, but they hired Farnsworth to do a site analysis, um, of narrowing down, I don't know, three different sites, um, looking at different locations and the variables that, that go into each one of those, um, and we're waiting to hear back that report. And then from there, I mean, like the just off the top of my head, and I don't know anything. I'm just going of what's available. You have the Market Street parking garage, which has been talked about a lot. You have some spaces outside of the buckle, um, like across from the Coliseum. Um, there's a space. 
Um, and I think there's another space to the east there that they were looking at. Um, and then they also have the space, the uh, city where City Hall sits today is a possible location site because City Hall offices are moving into um, the government center. So there's there's some sites that they got to play with and stuff, but they have like they have money to build a transfer center without using our taxpayer dollars for anything right now, or at least very little of them um, for our local tax dollars anyway. And that's just that's a huge, huge I mean, Connect Transit deserves a lot of credit for pulling that $8 million in. Yeah. It's um, gigantic. And I don't think people realize how much of a um, win that is for our community to get. Yeah. I just serendipitously ended up being on a plane with that whole contingent when they were going down to D.C. to do that. Yeah. Um, I was I was flying to Atlanta and I sat next to Ryan Whitehouse and yeah. we, you know, um, chatted about stuff and, um, you know, I, I think people have strong feelings about, you know, uh, public transit in general. People have strong feelings about federal state grants, how those play in, things like that. But I, I hope again, everyone can respect that these people volunteer their time to go and advocate for our community and um, try to wade through all the realities of what lobbying national politicians are. Um, and you know, this successful in this situation. So you know, yeah. shout out to them. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. It really is big. And I know Ryan, um, the chair of the Connect Board, had played such, played a pretty large role. Um, he's got great connections with um, our Congress, our congressional delegation. And, um, you know, it's that, that's why I supported Ryan for to get reappointed recently is because I, I know that his heart's in the right place and he is a vital, vital key to that board um, to get mm-hmm. back here. So, yeah, yeah, that'd be good to see. Good to see move, things moving in a positive direction for a while um let's see so speaking of city stuff normal's not meeting on monday bloomington's meeting on monday i was looking through the agenda it's not anything that's too (laughs) crazy here Um, yeah they're they're approving our what we did at our planning meeting which we probably probably shouldn't talk about for i think technically we could but rather not do that for oma purposes so yeah and, and honestly, that'll... people probably wouldn't find it too interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty that's, that's the other part. <laughs> yeah, skip ahead ten minutes if you're normal. Um, yeah, and then I, I was trying to pull up the overall packet because it says consideration and action on ordinance blah, blah blah to create the Department of Economic and Community Development. Yeah, so One, they're combining two two departments together. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah and so the, they just posted for a job. I think the job title is Assistant Economic Development Director. Um, I saw that job posting hit uh, earlier this week. So um, obviously when you combine departments, you're hopefully saving some some money there. Um, but also the uh, between – so economic development is going into um, – what's that department? Um, community development. Okay. So, so I don't know how the um, – hierarchies that makes sense it's kind of like yeah so that you'd you'd be looking at the zoning the building enforcement and the economic development and business and development assistance those are the four things they list commercial and residential economic development enforcement of building laws so it's like code enforcement zoning and planning would be in there too and then business and development assistance i mean that that makes sense because so often 
I've noted before that when we're talking about economic development, sometimes what's really needed is just a change to the zoning of something. You're right. Yeah. Um, may, you know, downzoning something can be a economic stimulus because they can have uh, laws that work better for the kind of thing that they're trying to do. So, no, that's that. That makes sense I, to me. I was quickly trying to Google, Google, and I'm not having luck, but I thought I remembered Tim, uh, City Manager Tim Gleason, speaking to a media outlet recently about it. So I was trying to find that real quick, but I'm having trouble finding it. But there okay. is out there somewhere um, that he better explains kind of the thought process behind it. And like just like you just described, it makes a lot of sense because those things get married together a lot and need to be thought together, I think, a, a lot more than they probably have been in the past. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I wonder if um, the downtown – uh, what's it called? Like the downtown division? Element division. Yeah, that would probably yeah. be in this that, part. That'd probably be in there too. Yeah. 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 So, okay. so Melissa Hahn was the economic development director, I believe. Um, don't quote me on that, but I think that was her title. And then um, that would be moved in with community development. Okay. Uh, so I like again. I don't know what the um, org chart looks like, <laughs> but. Yeah, it makes That's sense neat. to have those two together. Yeah, I didn't know that was didn't know that was happening. Kind of reminds me of the water department, public works coming together too. Yeah, so um, that's good. Yeah, I've been um, I've been really happy with what Tim Gleason has brought. It seemed like he was very cautious his first period to understand and not make big waves, but then now there's kind of like these um, you know fairly significant changes, but it seems like they're being made in a in a a careful, deliberate way, and I, I appreciate that. Here's what I see, um, at least from some an outsider looking in, is that he is looking at plans and things that have been discussed for years, and he's just saying, what's the low-hanging fruit that I can knock off? Um, mm-hmm. and, and he's been doing that, and that's what, like, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast about some of the downtown task force stuff just getting done. I think, I mean, I don't know, but I think that's where he's getting this stuff from. Right? He's like, well, this was a commission that was put together, um, from citizens saying they want this no one has told me they don't want this um, and this makes a lot of sense so he's just knocking off some of that low-hanging fruit from that as well as other plans and and, and stuff that's been talked about throughout the city for years mm-hmm. um and you know i appreciate that we don't need to vote um 12 times on everything to realize that we got to pick up trash more frequently downtown yeah yeah you know? no kidding um, the, those little things like that that, that he can see and, and take authority on is what needs to happen. So and what that also allows is the elected officials, the policymakers, to make policy and not have to worry about some of those things that should just be getting knocked off. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the pool is another one. Um, O'Neill Pool, some progress there. Uh, Library is also making some progress there. Um, they've kind of got a scope that they can work within, too. So it's nice to see um yeah, again it's just nice to see things kind of happening whereas you know a couple of years ago it seemed like there was so much swirl and pitting of things against each other it was you know we have to do a transfer station or a library or a pool and we you know like we we can't do downtown and we can't do this and that and it was it was a lot of reasons why we couldn't do stuff and now i feel like we're we're finding ways to move forward on everything so and i mean i i had breakfast this morning and coffee um in uptown normal and, uh, you know, I was sitting at one of the picnic tables around the circle and just just thinking about how that looked, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And, and I mean, obviously there was some, there were some large changes that happened, but there were a lot of incremental changes too. And a lot of it started with infrastructure. A lot, a lot of it started with just improving, uh, streets, roads, sidewalks, and sewers. Um, the tra- the transportation center obviously helped and that, that was kind of what uptown was built around. But, um, I think Bloomington can do that. We got to get out of our own way and, and just keep making progress and not getting bogged down in the, in the minutia of, you know, all the naysayers and, um, votes after vote on the same thing. And, you know, maybe we need to have a committee for this. We don't need a committee for everything. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I really, I mean, I, I appreciate the idea of letting, you know, citizens have their voices heard, but I'm also a believer that they have that with their elections. Um, they elect people that have a similar vision of they do to represent them. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, anything, uh, I just changed topics a little bit. I've been reflecting how odd this election, this national election cycle is about how this time last year, it would have been wall to wall. I mean, sorry, this time last presidential election, you know, it's wall to wall, uh, Clinton Trump stuff mm-hmm. and it's it's so much in the background of what's happening now it's it's hard to even feel like we're in an election year a presidential election year with covid taking front seat on everything um mm-hmm. I kind of like it I kind of don't hate it actually <laughs> um well it's not even just the national level but like uh, think about the county local county board races this time in the past you'd have people knocking on your door every weekend um uh, you know trying to get out the vote and, and get, get their name known. And with COVID knocking on doors is not a, as common. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's changed, um, on both the local and national level of how politics are, are done. So, yeah, I've no, been, I think, um, I think we're all going to get tired of text messaging over the next uh, six months though. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, um, I really hope that everyone has an opt out feature cause I, I like know. to just reply back stop, please. Yes. Um, but yeah, I've been talking to some of the people who are running, um, kind of mulling over approach to these things. And, um, it seems like some people are doing going, actually going to the doors, putting door hangers on, but not knocking and then trying to follow up with a phone call afterwards, try to make that connection. That's a good yeah. strategy. Um, other people are knocking, but then like maybe standing back. Mm-hmm. like six to 10 feet with a mm-hmm. sign saying who they are. And if someone doesn't want to open the door, that's fine. You know, it kind of reminds me of that love actually, um, <laughs> a scene when he's got the cards. Um, you know, people are finding ways around it, but I think calling and texting, like you said, is just going to be really key for this election. And, um, yeah. and, and social media, of course, but then that's always, that, you know, yeah. Subject to algorithms and worried about that being an echo chamber too yeah. with that. Um, but yeah, I wonder if there's. I assume there's still be um, some kind of debates done, maybe over Zoom. But I haven't heard anything on those. Lo- locally, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, GLT obviously puts on their forums usually. Um, I mean, we're in August, so I can see that happening maybe September, October. Um, yeah. I, I, that yeah, you, good point. I'm interested. That that'd be interesting to hear if they plan on doing something like that. Um, it might be easier over Zoom, especially if the moderator can hit mute. yeah well um we just got our did you get a postcard about mail-in ballots yep yep we both got yeah my wife and i both got one yeah Uh, 
Which I, I mean, which is funny. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of posts about like, you know, I haven't lived in Illinois for so many years and I got a mail-in ballot to vote in Illinois. You didn't get a ballot to vote in, it, <laughs> in Illinois. You got, you know, application. Yeah. Application yeah. To get a ballot. So, um, but yeah, I've been learning about those. I found this really interesting about the applications that there's no official form of the application. It just has to have certain information on it. But if you knew what information they need, you could just like take a post-it note and write that down and mail it to the BC or whoever, you know, your election authority, and then they would send you a ballot back. Oh, um, okay. Individual organizations like uh, the, you, you can print up your own applications and give them to people. Um, it's, it's not a form. Um, the ballot is an actual form. You have to have that one. Sure. But, um, so people have noted, Hey, I got this one. I saw this picture of this one from the County clerk online and it looks different than the one I got from the BEC. Uh, yeah. They're going to look different or else I've also seen people say, you know, someone gave me this application, but I think it's a fake because it looks really unprofessional. There is no such thing as a fake application. There just is an application. So, um, so that, that's, that's kind of an interesting thing. I'm definitely voting by mail. I, I don't want to take a risk that things are going to go weird in November and the lines would be really long or, you know, I, so, I think. So you, something else to point out, you can send in your application to get a mail vote by mail ballot and then still decide to go vote in person if you want to. So yeah. that's what we're doing. Like, I'm like, it doesn't hurt to get a ballot. Um, now, if, if things are okay, I do plan on voting in person. Honestly, hundred percent selfish reason. I, I, elections are like holidays to me. Well, I, I know. Yeah. That's the bummer. Um, of it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my election day tradition to go vote and I enjoy doing that. So if I can, I like to, it's the same reason. I mean, I've only voted early one day in my life and people give me crap about it all the time, of course, but I, I love voting on election day. Um, yeah. so, but I do want that option. You know, if, if, if COVID spikes really bad and, uh, and I feel it's unsafe to go do so that I will, but yeah, just make sure to bring it with you. If you do yeah. that, um, yeah. you can still vote if you don't have it with you, it just adds some complications. So it's easier just if you get it, keep it, go in that day, release it. And then, cause they'll have it in their records apparently that you got one. And so if you come in and want to vote in person, then that might cause some friction if you don't have that with you. I think you have to do a like provisional ballot then or something. So, yeah. That makes sense. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it's, I think it's great that Illinois is trying to encourage that. And mm-hmm. uh, another example to me about how the state on the whole seems to be hitting it right when it comes to what measures we need to take for the, for coronavirus. I do too. Um, I mean, you can, I, I think we've been doing a really good job. Nothing's perfect. And I, I can have criticisms also, um, plenty of them actually on, on COVID especially, but uh, big picture wise, I think we've done a really good job. Well, when you look at our population, sixth or seventh size of population, um, and we're still up there in terms of number of cases, but those were all early, yeah. and we're we're trailing off really good. When you look at some of the other states that are trending up now, who didn't do the protections, you're, you're, I'm I'm thankful that we were so cautious in April and May. Um, I hope that you know I know locally it's kind of ticking up more than it should be, so I'm I'm hoping that we're not getting too comfortable with things and not taking precautions. Yeah. And and I mean, I really do feel like we're in the home stretch. So just behave for a few more months. Like that's what I keep like thinking in my mind is uh, Fauci came out and said, realistically, we're looking probably early 2021 uh, for a vaccine. And um, apparently my mower's here. So I'm sorry if you hear the lawnmower behind me. Um, But 
if uh, yeah, so 2021, if there's a vaccine, I mean, we can hold on for a few more months um, and make sure there's no spikes and get this vaccine out to people and um, go on living a whatever normal looks like after this. Yeah. So did you, um, so I got another big deal with that is school going all virtual. Yes. I was, yes. I, I mean, I have empathy for every person in this process. Like I, I imagine the schools had a hell of a time thinking through this. Um, parents, I mean, of course I, I have it all go. She'll be going into sixth grade. So first year in junior high is what she's getting ready to go into. And so that put a tremendous amount of pressure on us to decide what to do. And, um, yeah. We and we have it better than uh, most people as far as you know. There's two of us. Um, there's some flexibility in my job. Um, there's some flexibility in my wife's job. Uh, but then you know, you, like I, your heart goes out for the single parent and the you know single parent of someone of a younger child, single parent of an mm-hmm. eight year old, right? Yeah. It's like you can't, can't leave your eight year old at home, but yet they're th- they're saying they're going to have attendance taken for virtual, and how are we going to manage that? And, um, had yeah. you decided, um, what did you guys decide prior to the decision to go all virtual? So it was a gut wrenching decision and we decided the night before the deadline and we were going to send her to school. Okay. Uh, we were, and, and I made a post about it on Facebook. I'm like, I don't know right or wrong. I have no idea. Like I, I could, I can make arguments both ways and that's what killed me about it. Um, but just for a variety of reasons, and I won't go into them all, per, all of our personal reasons, but we had decided to send her to school. And, and, and then whatever it was, a couple of days later when they said it's all virtual, I wasn't mad that they decided that. I was mad they decided that after I spent stressing out for two weeks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, no kidding. Um, actually, that's exactly what I wanted them to do two weeks prior. I wanted the decision to be made for me. Um, you know, I, that way it was fair across the board as far as everybody's, you know, I, I like that idea. Um, but yeah, having the pressure and the stress of put on for two weeks of going back and forth and having conversations and trying to decide, you know, what's right. And then a couple of days later, your decision didn't matter anyway. Um, yeah, what we're doing, that, that kind of sucked. But again, I can empathize with the schools too. Um, and the teachers, well, um, all across. I heard one of the main reasons why they decided to not do it all, not to split it anymore, is because the turnout for virtual was much higher than they expected. Yeah, I've heard yeah. a couple different conflicting numbers. Um, on Wednesday morning, I think I heard uh, B- District 87 uh, was around 40% virtual. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. And then in comparison, so these are the only two districts I heard. I didn't hear any other um, districts, but in comparison, um, uh, Tri-Valley School District, uh, 95% have chosen to go to school. <laughs> really? Uh, wow. So, okay. That's um, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, just kind of, uh, you know, rural versus uh, urban school. Um, and and the, I mean, I think demographics probably have a lot to do with that. Size of school has a lot to do with that. Um, and slightly different plans, too. I, I don't know Tri-Valley's as well as I knew with District 87s, but I think uh, Tri-Valley was – I can't remember if they were using these district's teachers or not. Um, mm-hmm. They were using a different, you know, a third-party system to help um, facilitate the online learning. But, there might be a difference in facilities, too. Um, yeah. Speaking from my perspective, my kids go to Washington, and that school is very old and has been retrofit 
many, many times. And that's something I really like about it. I, I feel like it's like Hogwarts. Like there are these secret passageways that go like to get to the library, you like sneak in through the gym and go down this staircase and then you're in the library. Like it's, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun and exciting. Um, but if you're talking about trying to rearrange things to space people out more, there's just really not that much room in there. It's a, it's a smaller space. Um, there's only one hallway that goes through the whole thing. So everyone's got to go through that one hallway. And, um, and so I wonder if, I don't know Tri-Valley's facilities, but I assume that they're newer and might be able to facilitate it better too. They're old, um, but oh, they're- they, uh, they did just redo that. Well, the junior high was new, gosh, probably what, almost 20 years ago it was built. So it's relatively new. And then they just remodeled the high school and added a wing. I haven't been there since it's been completed. Um, but I've seen pictures. It looks pretty nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Um, I hear yeah. that uh, some private schools in the Bloomington Normal areas seeing an uptick in enrollment uh, because they are still attending in, in person, um, which I don't know is a good thing or a bad thing, right? Let's jam them all into a <laughs> private school. But, um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not going to judge any parent to do whatever they think is right for their kid at this point. Oh, for sure. It's such a personal uh, thing. Yeah. 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 It's, ours, uh, was, ours was really tough because my my kids are next year going to be kindergarten third grade fifth grade and they this was the one year they were all going to be at washington together and we realized this when my first son went to kindergarten we were like there's going to be one year when you guys all overlap and we've been talking about this year um also my wife has been staying home ever since my first one was born so that was kind of this was going to be end of her her 10 years of stay-at-home motherhood and, sure. you know kind of thinking about what the next step would be for her um th- those were and, and also just a kid going to kindergarten like what's virtual kindergarten i don't even know what that is right and so that's well, gonna be a- and, and everybody's got i mean like because we were in the same situation with the first year of junior high right like junior high is such a weird time for every yes. kid it's like i yeah. want them i want her to experience that first year and you know and yeah, I, everybody's got those personal things that are just so close to home. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to deprive them of anything. I also want to keep them safe. Yeah. Uh, it's such a hard right. decision. And then on top of it. Um, so being that she's going to junior high softball, uh, my daughter plays softball. Mm-hmm. And so the summer league, rec league, BNGSA, like they, they've done a pretty good job of maneuvering everything, but it looks much, much different than it did last year. And they had to juggle things and, and, and that sort of thing. And then you got junior high who the IESA came out and said, season, we don't, we'll tell you when the season's canceled. And then like, you know, uh, the Friday before the Monday of trials are supposed to be, they said, all right, season's canceled. And then. A week later, they said, "Nope, never mind. Season's back on." <laughs> and so, just the juggling of that too, you know, it's it, it's like, well, they're not going to school because that's not safe. But I'm gonna, she can go play softball. Um, yeah, and, yeah. I don't know. Um, it's such a weird time to figure out, uh, make those. And like, I really do hope people don't judge other people. Um, yeah, like, yeah. Because I I mentioned those things first to say, like, I understand. How th- those were some very heavy weights on the, the attendance and person side for us. Yeah. Um, why we, and, and these are all personal reasons, right? Like none of those reasons yeah. I mentioned really apply to other people. Right. Um, we eventually decided virtual because um, my work is very flexible. I've been sitting in this room working ever since March. I, I think um, if there's a need for me to stay here, I think my, we can probably be able to accommodate that most of the time. And then, you know, my, again, like you said, there's two of us, 
Um, my wife was a teacher, uh, before she stayed home. So she's an educator. I got my two parents in town. They were both teachers. They're like, we can help you out. That's pretty good. Equipment. Yeah. You got some pretty good. Equipment. We're in a pretty good, we're in a pretty good place. And, and like, probably the thing that most, the thing that like came down most for me was my parents because they're older. They're in their late sixties, early seventies. I guess my dad's in his late seventies now. Um, and when we talked to them, we were like, if they go to school, they probably can't spend time with you guys anymore. And that's such a big part of what they do with their, that in our family that I just couldn't see that, that that wasn't a sacrifice that that to me was the ultimate sacrifice. It was like, we, they, they should be able to see their grandparents for this time. And so we'll keep them home and suffer that. <laughs> suffer and the and, and so. if I'm being honest, when we decided to send her to school, both my wife and I said, you know, we'll send her to school because it's all going to be shut down in about a month anyway. <laughs> well, like, yeah, yeah. That that was the other thought is like, let's go ahead and send her for the, you know, let her meet some friends and experience it at least. And then everybody's going to be home because it's going to spike back up. Um, and just they made that decision before they even went to school, which is probably the right decision. But yeah, yeah. well, that, that kind of took one of my fears out was that if we sent them in person, then they would, all, you know, you'd you do that for a little while and then boom, you'd be back virtual and you wouldn't really be prepared for that. Um, but it looks like they're avoiding that problem with it. But. And the other thing with staying at home, um, that's going to be a challenge, um, is yeah. You know, like I said, we have fairly flexible schedules and if we had to be home, we could be home, but when we're home, we still got to work. It's not, yeah. it's, it's not, and especially as a sixth grader, like, um, you know, I, I like to think I'm a pretty intelligent person, but you put me down in front of a sixth grade book. I don't know if I can explain it to her in a proper way or not. Um, even if I did have the time, which like I said, when I'm home, I gotta be working and same with my Well, life. yeah, you gotta actually work. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, hopefully employers are, are flexible, um, and, and they help, um, you know, not put the parents in too much of a, of a bind. But yeah. there's, certain, there's certain circumstances that, I mean, this, this is going to affect everybody in every situation. Mm-hmm. We, have, we, have built a, we have built our economy on the idea that kids go to school during the day. Well, I know. And then, yeah, that's, that's something else, you know, coming from a family of teachers where, that we've kind of been saying is like, like hmm, you know, maybe, uh, maybe $40,000 a year is a little, bit, a little bit low for how much you're relying on us to do these things. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that hopefully there's a greater appreciation of what teachers in school has too. And, um, yeah, but that's kind of an eternal battle for, for teachers. I think I don't it's, think a, it's, it's a fair time to bring that up though, for sure. Yeah. Um, and say, I, uh, the same argument was made when this all started with essential workers, right? The essential workers we were all relying on are often the minimum wage workers yes. that uh, we yeah. don't think we're $15 an hour. So I've, I've said that for my whole career that, um, so th- there are some people for whom like your job title and your status is a really important thing for them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Oh my gosh, this person is a vice president. You need to talk to them that way. And I, I've always tried to just treat everybody with, with respect because yeah. you, everyone is doing a job that you're, you know, everyone's doing their job and you're relying on them in different ways to do that. Well, and, um, there was, I've I've said like I I treat the janitor with the same respect that I treat the vice president because like look at me I'm a middle manager at an insurance company right if I didn't come to work for two weeks like I can take two weeks of vacation and people can pretty much adapt like it, it's fine 
if if no one cleans the bathroom for two weeks, like everything is a catastrophe. <laughs> and so, um, you know, maybe so that guy's not getting paid enough to to do that thing. So, um, you know, at least you can do is look him in the eye and and say good morning like you would anybody else, and not not treat them like uh, you know they're, they're lesser than. And um, this has really brought that out. The people who are essential workers are these people who we typically try to, you know, the, the garbage men and the mm-hmm. people fixing your, your sewers and um, delivering people, your food. I mean, yeah, your, delivering your food. Yeah. Uh, tip yeah. well. I mean, just just tip well. If you can afford it, tip well. Right. Like, so I, I had a conversation. Uh, it's been a couple weeks ago now about somebody. Cause I, it was the same person that I, I, would, I had remembered the last time I spoke to them or, or one of the last times. We had a conversation of whether you tip on pickup or not. And this was before COVID, this conversation initially happened. Like, if you go pick up food, there's always a line for tip. Do you ever tip? And, like, we had a, a discussion. And uh, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. I said, so that's probably changed for a lot of people. Like, you know, um, the the curbside takeout now, you probably – I would think most people are probably like, more apt to tip today than they were six months ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, people get a little more respect that way. Yeah. All right. Well, this time really goes fast, man. I'm always surprised. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to do a short one. We haven't we haven't really um, just done one with you and I talking for a while, which is probably yeah. good just to catch up. We always have guests, which I love our guests, but um, yeah, sometimes it's nice just to talk about local issues. Do you want to have kind of like a meta chat real quick? Like um, we're coming up on two years of doing this. Um, yeah. How are you? How are you feeling about what we are? I mean, I'll tell you one. I hate doing them over Skype and not over in person that, that really like decreases my <laughs> desire to, to do these episodes a lot, but I understand that's needed. Um, yeah. And, um, I agree with that hundred <laughs> percent. Um, and I think, um, one thing that the Skype has allowed us to do though, is probably better schedule guests. Um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's more difficult to get a guest to come in and speak. Um, so I think even in the future, as soon as we can get back in person, I'm for it, but, if we can schedule the, the a great guest, whether it's Skype or in person, I think that's always a good thing to remember. Too. Yeah. It saves like half hour, 45 minutes just from the time of like driving over there. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I don't know if this will be a shock to listeners, but we don't have our studio studio like set up by a producer. We, we go and we put up the folding table and we set all the mics up and check them and bring the chairs in and stuff. So, I mean, it saves a good half hour, 45 minutes of just admin time to it. And then, yeah, like you said, just trying to find a time, a two-hour block when you and I and um, are available, and the guest is available, and it's during play normal esports business hours too. It yeah. can be kind of limiting. And we don't, and we don't get paid for this, so trying to convince our families to give us that two hours to not spend with them and go do a hobby. Is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I really want to keep it going through. Um, through the municipal elections because I had such a good time talking to the candidates last time. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you and I chatted briefly and I, I'm, I'm not really buying, I'm not really like looking to schedule a lot of the candidates for the November election. Cause it being partisan, it's just, it gets kind of tricky to just have a, um, like an open conversation. It kind of gets, there's so much politics. Let me put it this way. There's so much politics going on right now, like bringing more, like more politics into it kind of, it can be overload. Um, but, um, I definitely want to talk to the, to the city candidates who are coming, especially if we have, um, one or two new 
mayoral races going on. That'd be really fun. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I mean, we haven't heard from uh, Mayor Coos or Mayor Renner on um, whether or not they're going to run again. Uh, and Coos has been there, um, I don't know how many terms now. What Was he on his fourth term? Is that accurate? Um, so, and then uh, Mayor Renner is finishing his second. So, yeah, um, we could have a race in both the town and the city of or guarantee new mayors if they both decide not to run again. So that, that mm-hmm. could be very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, to, I, to keep that going, um, we do need to get another sponsor to pay a bill that's coming up uh, here for our server space. And I, I think if, I think if we don't pay that, not only do we not get to post new ones, but I think all the old ones come down too. Oh, no. So, um, so hopefully we can find someone to help out with yeah, that. And, and, and I mean, we're, we have an idea uh, of cost and what you get for that cost because we've had other sponsors in the past. Um, and, and but at the same time, we are flexible too. this is um, so if someone has something else in mind or a different idea, we are open yeah. to things. Um, but we don't have a lot of costs. I mean, we do this, like I said, for free as a hobby. But, you know, in the beginning, we had to buy some equipment and we do have server space that we got to pay for and those type of things. So um, just a little bit of money every year from a sponsor goes a long way with us. Yeah, we. uh at work, we're not allowed to advertise for anything that we're doing privately where we're making money off of it. So, like, if I have a private business, I can't put a sticker for that on my laptop or something. Mm-hmm. I have a PodBN sticker on my laptop because I do not make any <laughs> – <laughs> we don't we don't net any money out of this thing. So, um, so I've told my friends, like, whenever you see the sticker comes off, it means I'm a professional podcaster because I actually made a dollar on this thing. <laughs> it's not a net loss for me. Um, but, uh, yeah. Well, cool. Well, we'll we'll keep it going. Um, see who else wants to come and talk. I really enjoyed the last episode we had. The listenership on that was pretty high. And um, yeah, and I think that's important for I mean the listeners to think about too. That's listening to this podcast today is if you have guests in mind, to go ahead and drop them. We're not going to get to everybody. And if you have a suggestion and we don't take your suggestion, please don't take it personally. Um, but we've done a lot of different t- styles of podcasts. We've taken up issues. We've taken up candidates. We've taken up business, small businesses. Um, ideas, nonprofits, like anything like that. Um, we're trying to look for some different stuff, obviously. So we don't want to run the same podcast all the time, but we're always open to suggestions on guests as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in closing, just a shout out to the stash. The stash has reopened. Um, we had a time (laughs) they, they're, they're open for business. So go and check them out there in downtown Bloomington. Um, down by the common ground grocery over there on a block of main street. Yeah, reopened under new management. I had a time scheduled to talk to her and then um, had technical difficulties, couldn't get through. So, um, but I did so want to encourage you. The only thing I go out. to a barbershop for and I go to a different one downtown is my beard because obviously I'm follically challenged up, up on, on my head. Um, but I still can't, even though barbershops are open, I can't go because you got to wear a mask and it's kind of hard mm. to trim the beard the when you got the mask on. So, uh, yeah. I'm still missing my barber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she did tell me, one of my main questions for her is if you had like a gift certificate or something or a prepaid haircut from the last uh, owner, is she going to, is she going to honor that? And she will honor those. So there was like a, there was a VIP program. Um, that money didn't go to her, but just for the sake of, you know, um, just customer relations, then she's, she's, so if you were a previous customer, go and check that in there. That's a good decision by her. Help, help, help slip the karma. 
And also, uh, as we mentioned, go check out Normal Gadgets, play Normal Esports. We want them to uh, keep having people coming in, flowing in. Um, we want to be able to get back in our space there, and so they're they're open for business. Go check and them out. We we don't say this often, but if you go there, let them know that we sent you, just so they know that their sponsorship's uh, getting something out of this show too. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, uh, are we done here then? Let's be done. <laughs>